I just want to be really honest. That where I thought we were going, God went, no, we're going to go here. And, and so when I, I, this passage has been one that I've picked, I picked it years ago, um, way before we knew we were doing this series. And I'm like, I am preaching on that passage someday. Um, but I thought I had it all dialed in. It would be this, this, and this. And God goes, no, it's actually going to be more of this. And you're going to actually um, talk about more of what's going on in here. So it's, it's born out of um, my own soul this morning. And how many of you, out of curiosity, you are roller coaster people, okay? I mean, when you're on a roller coaster, your hands do this the entire time. Yeah? Okay, you got to do it then. If you're a roller coaster person, I got one at the back. Oh, a couple more, a couple more. Okay, keep them up, keep them up. Now we're going to find out who real roller coaster people are. Do you keep your arms up as it's going click, 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 click. Arms are still up. Okay, you're real roller coaster people because you're praising God on the way up. You know what I'm saying? Like we are praising the entire ride. That's what we are doing. Um, but, but roller coasters have a way because when you're in the click zone, when you're click, 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 you're observing everything, everything's like you've got a view, right? And then all of a sudden, woo! Right? And then you to the right and the left. I mean, you're back and forth. And, and, and sometimes life is a whole lot like that. And I don't mean like life as in 70 years. I mean like 10 minutes. You go from click, 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 click. This is great. Look at the view. Click, click, click. Ah! Right? I mean, it just happens. It just happens. And, and it's unpredictable. And it comes in all shapes and forms, the twists, the turns. But, but here's something else you need to know. If life is like a roller coaster, then also your soul is sticky. And here's what I mean by your soul is sticky. Your soul is designed to take on and shape and mold. And so if you're in a season where it's grieving, then, then what happens is you, you take on and, and, and people know by what? Because my soul is grieving, that means the rest of me is probably expressing some kind of grief as I walk through. And, and grief can come out of nowhere. But here's the thing. If you stay in there too long, you can also, you can also end up holding grief. And, and grief can begin to shape and mold you. And sometimes you get through. You, you're working through. And people go, you, you've changed. It's changed you. Why is that? Because somewhere along the way, your soul, which is designed to be sticky, took on a new form and took on new shapes and took on new things. You ever hang out with negative people? Yeah, and you hang out with negative people, and what tends to happen is you hang out with them too long, and you become what? Negative. Why? Because as you're hanging out with them, your soul is designed to be sticky. Your soul is designed to take on what you're around. What you feed your soul, so to speak, is what you will become. You ever hang out with someone who's joyful or positive? Man, for 10 years, I had the privilege of hanging out with Brad at this church. Brad is probably the most positive person on the entire planet, and I am not exaggerating with that. Like, you ask Brad, Brad is the worst movie critic on the planet, too. You ask Brad how the movie was, it was amazing! I'm like, yeah, it's probably average. It's probably... It's probably. Then if he adds, you gotta see it! 
then I'm like, okay, maybe it was just slightly above average. You have to weigh through the positivity. But if you hang out with Brad, something amazing happens. Your outlook on life becomes a whole lot more positive. Why? Because my soul is designed to stick. My soul is designed to take on. My soul is designed by God to, to whatever I'm putting myself in and around. Be very, very careful because your soul is designed to stick. Now, some of you are like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. It's okay. It's valid. It's valid. But I guarantee if you look at your life, you'll discover where you've been, who you've been around, what events have shaped you. I I guarantee you that if you sit in a therapist chair, you can go back to when you were 13 years old and somebody said something to you and it what? stuck and you've shaped yourself because of what something that was said when you were 13 that's how we're designed that's how this thing works and today we're going to look at a passage that i have never heard preached on in in all my years of church um second samuel if you have a bible second samuel chapter 16 second samuel chapter 16 and there's a context we're going to dive into Because here's what I don't want us to become. Here's what I don't want to become. I don't want to become a rock thrower, okay? I don't want my soul to become so stuck with things that I become a rock thrower. It'll make a whole lot more sense when we get into this passage. But this passage has a context. And the context is this. We've been in the life of King David, right? And King David was waiting to become king because King Saul was king before him. took a really long time for that to happen. David becomes king. We're now trekking through David's life, and here's a story of something that happens. Now, David had sons, right? And you can read about it. It's in the Bible. But one of his sons rapes his sister, and in raping his sister, the other son kills the son. So Absalom kills the other brother, right? Kills his brother. Then Absalom, the next chapter, weasels his way back into the city. And then Absalom, after that, begins to sit at the city gate, and he begins to begins to tell the people what they want to hear. He begins to manipulate and he begins to work people over. And as Absalom is working people over and he's manipulating them, the people come on his side, so much so that now they begin to turn on David. So you've got son Absalom, son of David, which is Absalom, and Absalom wants to become king. So what Absalom starts to do is he gets a whole bunch of people and he starts to pursue David. He's going to kill him. And it says that David leaves. David flees for his life. He leaves with all his people. He leaves a few behind, but the the bulk of people are going. They're, they're, They're leaving because his son wants to kill him. It's in the midst of this journey that we jump into verse five. As King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as who? Saul. Okay. So as he's coming down, as they're, they're approaching this area, a man who is connected to the family of King Saul, King Saul and David were at odds, so you, you've got that whole dynamic going on, right? The same clan of Saul's family came out from there. His name was, okay, you got to say it with me, Shemai, right? Shemai is our main character. I know there's a lot of names in here, but Shemai, Shemai and David are going to have a little thing going on. So he comes out, Shammai comes out, and he cursed as he came out. So he comes out, David's coming down with this procession, and he begins to curse David. Okay, next verse. 
gets better. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. Okay, now you got to get this scene, okay? So, so Monty Python, this is straight out of it, okay? Straight out of Monty Python. Here's what I mean. You got, I don't know how you envision, envision Shammai. I envision him as this like skinny little weak man with a really high-pitched voice, okay? So, so that's, that's Shammai. He's up on the ledge, right? And Shammai, he's going along, and he's just pelting rocks all the way down, all the way down, just following David, just pelting rocks. Oh, I need more. You're lucky Walmart didn't have fake rocks. I looked. Okay, so it gets even better because here's what happens and now you got a picture, okay, so King David, king, king, God's chosen, okay? This is, this is God's anointed is walking down. And, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I don't see anywhere where he puts shoes on. But the chapter before, or two chapters before, David is walking barefoot, okay? So, so now you've got a king as if it's not annoying enough that you are walking barefoot, right? So, so you're trekking along barefoot as king. That's lame, right? Dirt roads, very uncomfortable, bleeding feet, the whole works, right? Now you got this skinny dude with a high-pitched voice pegging you with rocks. Now you need to understand something because on the right side, there might have been this guy, right, where it says this special guard. David had mighty men of valor, and one of them, Benai, right, he went down in a snowy pit. On a snowy day, he went down into a pit because it wouldn't be as cool if you did it when it wasn't snowing. But he goes down into a pit and he kills a lion. That's a man's man. Agreed? He's on the right of David. On the left of David is another guy who we'll meet later in the story. And he kills 300 men with a spear. That's a man's man. You have that procession. And then many more. And here is Shemai. Curse you, David. There are sides to this story. Humanity. Humanity is known for creating sides. And sides always divide. We're known for it. It's in our DNA. And if you're not careful, your sticky soul will claim a side. Man, you don't even have to know the people. You don't even have to know them, not even be connected to them. But you all of a sudden take a little bit of information and you create a whole side. Like, how could they dare do that? Do they know who? And all of a sudden you are ready to go. I read something in Time Magazine recently. Before you ever leave your house in the morning, your social media or your news feed, whatever it is that you're into, has already put something in front of you to make you pick a side. They, they feed on conflict. We as humans feed on dividing. And your soul will stick. And what I do is I stick. So, so in this context, what's interesting is Shammai, there's nowhere in scripture where Shammai was ever part of Saul's adventures with David. There's nowhere in scripture that you will get that something personal was done to Shammai. What has he done? He's connected himself by clan. These are my peeps, and so my peeps 
now, David, man, I don't like you, David. Never met you, but I don't like you. Right? Notice what he said. As he cursed, Shammai said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. Next verse. The Lord has repaid you. Okay, okay. So, so, so like, so like, David, you're a murderer. Has he ever seen David murder somebody? No? Not been a part of it. He's hurt things. You ever notice how in the garden, there's two people on the planet, and what do they do? Her fault. Side. Do you know that to divide is human, but to unite is divine? To divide is human. To unite is divine. Here's what I mean. Humanity from day one. As soon as sin entered the world, humans divide over everything and anything. You take your pick, right? Chucks or vans. I don't know. Somebody will pick a side, though. Right? We divide over the dumbest stuff. We divide over these things called sports. We divide over things called skin color. We divide over things called politics, right? We, we divide over, you give us a choice and we'll divide. And as we divide, man, I will create within my soul. I will take, because it's sticky, I will take it on. And now I am ready to throw rocks. I want to show you something about our God. Let's go to the Ephesians passage. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once what? Far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups, what? One. He has made the two groups. And in this context, you had the Jews and you had the Gentiles. And they did not like each other. They did not think they belonged together. They were polar opposites from each other. They, their souls were so sticky that they'd already stuck to everybody in their clan. And you stick to yours. And we will never worship the same God. And has destroyed the barrier. Our Jesus, by his blood, has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose. Okay, okay, the purpose of Jesus. Get this, get this, church. The purpose of Jesus, the reason Jesus came, the reason Jesus bled out, the purpose of Jesus was to create in himself what? One new humanity. Guess who the new humanity is? Us. We're the new humanity. Guess what that means? We shouldn't be taking sides and splitting and taking this on and I'm different than you. And that's, that's the opposite of his purpose in what? Creating us as new creations. What are we creating new creations for? Why? So that we, the new humanity, the new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace in one body to what? Reconcile them both to God through the cross. You know what we're supposed to be? You know what we're supposed to be? A living representation that sides don't matter. Jesus matters. That, that 
in this context, in this space, in this family. It doesn't matter if you like hymns. It doesn't matter if you like pop music. It doesn't matter if you're into country. It doesn't matter if bluegrass is your jam. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because in Christ, we are what? A new humanity. So we don't divide over stupid stuff. That, that, I don't care if that realm is politics. I don't care if that realm is racism. I don't care if that realm is in your family. I don't care. It doesn't matter where it is. You were designed by Christ to care about the things that Christ does. You know what he says he cares about? Reconciliation. You know what you were given as a believer in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? The ministry of what? reconciliation. That means we are to reconcile, bring all things to what? Together. Why? Because that's what Christ did. That's what his purpose was. I've been wrestling for a while with this phrase. I've heard it in different arenas, and I've been personally just wrestling through about you have to believe to belong. I firmly, firmly believe that you can belong before you believe. Otherwise, this is a social club. If you have to believe first to be in here, to be cared for, to be loved by us, if you have to be in here and you have to believe the right things and say the right things and act a certain way and then we'll let you belong, we have missed the point of the gospel because here's what I know about Jesus. You hang around Jesus long enough and you will fall in love with Jesus. And so what we have to do is we got to swing the doors wide. The doors have to swing wide. Why? So that people can come in and you may be here and you've never met Jesus. Welcome. Welcome. We are here for you. We want to love you. We want to give you a place that you feel is home. Because I know if you hang around with the family long enough, you're going to meet this Jesus who reconciles all things. But we got to tear down the sides. Why? Because... To divide is human. To unite is divine. Back to Samuel. The Lord has repaid you. Okay, so he pulls the Lord into it because that's what everybody does when they pick a side, right? Jesus is on my side. Um, The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come here. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Next verse. Then Abishai, right? Remember, Remember the dude that killed... Remember the dude that killed 300 with a spear? That's him. That's him, right? Son of Zerai said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and what? Cut off his head. Okay, now if I tell you like, bro, you want me to cut off his head? It doesn't mean a whole lot, right? I don't even have a sword. Like, like this dude, he's down here, and he's already climbing the hill with a sword. Just let me do it. Just let me do it. I got him, right? Notice David's response. But the king said, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? Okay. Something you got to do to protect your soul is sometimes you got to ditch a few people. Like he's literally asking him in this in this question, like, what is it to you and to me? What is it to us? 
And, and he's actually, remember, this is his left-hand man. This is his mighty man. This is one of his dudes, right? And, and he's, he's pushing him away. Why? Because David is protecting who? His soul. I don't want what you got sticking to me. Sometimes you got to ditch a few people to protect your soul. Sometimes you, sometimes you have to go, that's okay if you want to be on that side, but my Jesus didn't put me on a side. He put me with him. And so I'm just going to stay next to the cross. And if that means I got to let, that's okay. That's okay. But I can't go and jump in on your issues and make them my issues. You ever notice how many people, when they got an issue, they want you to have the same issue. And if you don't have the same issue, they don't want to talk to you very much. You ever notice that? By all the nodding heads, we all got the same friends. That sounds good. Right? See, because they're hoping your sticky soul will stick where they're leaning. And David begins to push away. Now the next part is brilliant. Then David said to Abishai and all of his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Man, that's grace and that's mercy because he's throwing rocks, y'all. He's pegging him. He's pelting him with rocks. Leave him alone. Let him curse. Okay, so he's not just pelting. He's like, he's like cursing. He's like bringing down God's wrath on him, right? He, he's using God against him. For the Lord has told him to. This got me. This killed me. When I first read this, This is my translation. How do I know that God didn't tell him to wake up and do that today? So so he ditches, he moves away, he, he, he pushes away, and then he stands in this place where he goes, how do you know that God didn't tell him to? That's faith. I want to have that kind of faith when I'm getting smacked in the face with rocks and it hurts. I want to have the kind of faith that goes, it's okay. Maybe God told him to get up and do that today. You know what I love about David in this moment? He runs, he runs full steam to the Lord, not the enemy. We go, man, the enemy is attacking me today. The enemy is all over me. David doesn't do that. David goes to, the Lord's got something in this. Maybe the Lord told him to get up. I'm going to trust that God's in it. Man, that's a whole new perspective on dirt and rocks, isn't it? That the Lord, the Lord maybe put this rock up the side of my head. David, like, like in protecting your soul, David wrote a lot of the Psalms. And in one of the Psalms, um, 55:22, it captures this. Cast your cares. How do you care? How do you, how do you protect your soul? According to David, you cast your cares on the Lord. And he will sustain you. Now, that's not, that's not a, hey, y'all, if you cast cares on the Lord, he might come through. Hey, you know, if you, if you just give it to God, he, he'll show up. Okay, this is, this is like, he will sustain you. You can bank on that. That's a promise. You can tattoo that on your arm, Right? Because you know what cast is? Cast is I hit, hit the eject button. You ever see an airplane and the pilot ejects? What happens? He separates from what? The plane. Right? He separates from the plane. 
He's totally away from it. That's the same language caught up here of cast. You get rid of it. You dispose of it. It's gone. You're here. It's over there. Where is it? It's with the who? The Lord. What does that care? It's your burden. It's the things that weigh you down. It's the things that are stressing you out right now. It's the things that you don't know if you're going to make it. He says, cast it on the Lord. Eject it. Eject it from you to him. Why? Because he will sustain. You know what that word sustain is? He will feed your soul what it needs right now. <sighs> that sound good? I mean, that's a, that's a, <sighs> like standing at the ocean's edge, right? Or the Grand Canyon. Or watching a monsoon. Because all of a sudden, it's not on you. And you're exhaling. And as you exhale, he will never let the righteous be shaken. What's my job? Stick with him. What's my job? Follow his ways. Why? Because if I do, I will never be what? Shaken. Well, that doesn't mean rocks and dirt aren't coming because David wrote this and he's the guy in the middle of the rocks and dirt. But eject your cares where? Why? Because protect your soul. Why do you eject? Because your soul is I don't know why I keep pointing here. Some doctor's going to tell me that's not where my soul is. Um, Soul of my feet. Um, Right? You eject it so it doesn't stick. Because if it sticks, you'll make sides, and sides always destroy. So eject it. Give it to him. It's his battle. He's the one that upholds the righteous. He's the one that upholds the righteous. He's the one. He's the one that will always come through. He is the one that will always be on the side and uphold the righteous. What is my role? Be what? Righteous. How am I righteous? Jesus made me righteous. He gave me his righteousness and took my worst. So what do I need to do? Stay in Jesus. It's that easy. And it's that hard. Because you're going to leave here and meet somebody in the lobby and they're going to talk to you about something and you're going, oh, that's not good. We should. Eject. Back to saying, Samuel, we're all over the place. It may be. It may be. So this is David still talking. Remember the context? Guy's pegging rocks at him and he goes, how do you know the Lord didn't tell him to do that, right? It may be. It may be, and this might be the most important thing you need to hear today, okay? It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his cursing today. It may be, sorry, I'm not done. It may be that the Lord will what? Look. Can I tell you something about David and theology? I got to say this real quick because I'm running out of time. David and theology, there was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. It was believed to be the very presence of God, okay? The very presence of God. It was a physical representation that the presence of God was here when the Ark of the Covenant was here. You know where the Ark of the Covenant was right now in this story? It's in Jerusalem. Where's David? He ain't in Jerusalem. So in, in, in ancient thinking, in ancient thinking, where was the presence of the Lord? It was in Jerusalem. It wasn't with who? David, I want to show you something because I think this is part of the capturing part of why David was a man after God's own heart because he knew God, right? So here's what happens. The Lord will look. Where's the Lord? How do you look if you're not there? The Lord is with him. And it gets better because next verse begins to define it even more. And so David and his men continued. 
Maybe what you need to do today is you're getting thrown rocks. You just need to continue because maybe, maybe God told that person to get up and throw the rock. So just continue, okay? Set out for the goal he put in front of you. Along the road while Shammai was going along the hillside. I mean, he's still going and pegging, just pelting, right? All the way along, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him. And this is the part I want you to get. And showering him with what? Dirt. Dirt. Maybe. Maybe. The Lord will see the dirt I'm in. Maybe the Lord told him to kick dirt on me today. God wasn't absent in the dirt. God wasn't absent in the dirt. He was in the dirt with who? David. There's a crazy story in Genesis. And I know this is a lot of people would stick with me. Okay, so Jacob... Jacob and Esau are brothers, right? The context is this, that Esau, Esau got ripped off by Jacob, and this is the first time they're meeting after years and years apart, right? And so Jacob, Jacob, the brother who ripped him off, he sends all his stuff ahead, right? And he, he sends it all over. And now he's, the Bible says right here that Jacob was left alone. No one's with him. He's all by himself, all by himself. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. You know what the word wrestle literally translates as? Get dirty. Okay? If you go to any, any commentary on this passage, it's a weird story, I know, weird story. Any commentary on this passage, they will say that in this story, the man... The man is God. That God is wrestling with Jacob. That's weird. I know. Don't get hung up on that. What I want you to get is this. That God got dirty with who? Jacob. You know, the end of this story, Jacob's been hiding his whole life. Jacob won't even say his name. And God makes Jacob say his name. He makes him own who he is. He makes him own his own soul. And then he goes, Jacob, I'm going to change your name to Israel because I got a plan for you and I got a purpose and I got something for you to do. In the dirt, God wrestled and set him free. Church, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's been thrown your way. I don't know what rocks are coming. They might be coming right now because you got a phone. Rock throwers can get you like that, right? You may have been sitting here and got distracted. Or maybe it was set on your way in, or maybe it's just that person at work that every single day they're out to get you. And they throw rocks and they kick dirt. Can I tell you that God is in the dirt? And in the dirt, God is wrestling and moving and he's with you. And what, the, what will happen is if you will trust him with the dirt like David did, good can come from it that God will actually heal you in the midst of what you're going. Where is this coming from and why? The ramifications of this might be greater than, it doesn't matter. In the dirt, God is with you. He is for you and he has not abandoned you. He is not absent in the dirt. Stay in the dirt and let him heal and let him restore and let him fulfill and let him put you back together because your soul is sticky your soul is sticky 
And so let it cling to the person of Jesus. Why? Because we're called. We are called, church, to be like Jesus in this world. How do I do that? Make sure your soul sticks to him. One last thought. The end of this passage, we won't go there, but the end of this passage, it says that when they got there, they were exhausted. And then, and then, in their exhaustion, it says that David refreshed himself. Are you tired? Are you weary? People have been throwing rocks. You're picking sides before you've even eaten breakfast in the morning. You got family members who are here and there, and you're going, I don't know what to do. Refresh your soul. Refresh your soul. How do I do that? Keep my eyes on the perfecter and author of my faith. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Let him, let him eject. Let him sustain. Let him feed your soul. And so, God, we come before you today. Thank you for being a God who is big. Thank you for being a God who we can trust in the midst of not even knowing why what is happening is happening. Thank you for being a God who, when people throw rocks, we can trust that even then you are using those rocks for good. You are using that dirt for good. God, thank you for being in the dirt with us. Thank you for for the way that you can even heal through dirt. God, would you make us a people that protect our souls? Don't allow us to stick to things that are harmful. God, I pray for those in the room that it's barely, barely lunchtime and they're already exhausted and overwhelmed. Would you refresh them in these next moments? God, would you allow others around them to sing louder in these next moments? Those, those that are around, that God, they're in a place with you and it's, it's the clicking of the roller coaster. They're enjoying the view. Would they sing louder for those that are screaming and barely holding on? And God, would you in these next moments refresh our souls, help us to hit eject from the things we need to today. Cast our cares on you because you proved with the cross that you love us for all of eternity. Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for new life in Christ. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen.